Welcome to the Healthy You Gatherings podcast. We are told in John 16, that we will have troubles, and Jesus confirms that by saying, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Healthy You Gatherings allows us to come together and explore complex and difficult topics. Find benefit in learning from the one who's overcome the world, who understands that a biblical perspective will help us find peace amidst life's everyday issues. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another podcast of Healthy You Gatherings. And today we're going to be talking about anger. And I just want to say from the outset, um, this could be a sensitive topic, uh, either because you are the recipient of somebody who has anger issues or you yourself uh, are angry. Uh, and dealing with with those kinds of issues. What I want to encourage you to do is at the end, there's a information where you can get in touch with us and you can connect with someone. I would just uh, recommend that you do that if you feel like um, what I talk about today is beyond being able to tweak some things in your life or in a relationship if you realize it's really a lot worse than than that or it's more severe because it certainly can. I uh, just want to recognize that from the beginning. Uh, you also have a PowerPoint and you can follow along with that. I'll refer to which slide I'm on so that you can see that in front of you as you're listening to the podcast. So you go to slide two. What do we hope to learn today? Three things. One, we want to recognize the difference between what's called primary and what's called secondary emotions. Two, we want to identify stages and possible underlying causes of anger. And then three, we want to learn effective strategies for dealing with anger. So, as often we do on these podcasts, we need a, we need a definition, we need some handles. So if you go to slide three, what is anger? Uh, anger is definitely something that gets into us before we really realize um, that it has impacted us. And, and what I mean by that is, have you ever just been um, maybe sitting by yourself and everything seems kind of normal and then all of a sudden this strong feeling of annoyance comes up um, and you're really not sure why. Um, the, this definition of anger is you can deal with annoyance, it can be displeasure, or it can be hostility. Now, most of us get angry and then we're able to move on. Okay? So I want to be clear that... If that's not happening to you, if you're staying in this annoyed, hostile place, just keep in mind that it just means it's more severe. You can you can be angry and it kind of go through you, right? It doesn't stick. You don't stay there. You're able to kind of move your way through it and you, you're able to, you know, you're, you're driving on Woodruff Road and you're just really... Uh, kind of about the traffic, but then it goes away. If after you've been on Woodruff Road and it's been a half an hour and you're still talking about the guy that cut you off, 
then we're dealing with obviously a, a, a deeper level. Um, slide four. This is probably the most important slide of, of this whole presentation. Because I, I kind of gave you a little bit, I gave you an example. I gave you an event trigger. If you look at your slide all the way to the left in the green. So someone cuts you off. Um, somebody um, honks their horn at you. Someone slams on their brakes in front of you or whatever. If you look at the primary emotion and the secondary emotion, you probably reflect a lot more on the secondary emotions. You're probably going, I got angry. Um I, I kind of got frustrated and I kind of uh, lost my temper. And here's what's interesting is we think that the secondary emotion is the primary emotion. But in reality, there was something else that happened almost in a nanosecond before you got angry. And look at some of those words, helpless, hopeless, inadequate, vulnerable, because when you think about it, if somebody cuts you off and slams on their brakes when you're driving a car, you're vulnerable because you might wreck. And so what happens is, is that you actually get kind of frustrated is your secondary response to that feeling of being vulnerable. So let me use another example. Let's say you're in a conversation with your spouse and they say something that hurts your feelings. Initially, you feel kind of helpless or hopeless, or maybe you feel a little bit of sadness, or you feel a little bit of shame, right? But then you get angry. This is more men than women, but it could be either. What we learn to do is we learn to get more focused on the primary emotion instead of going straight to the secondary emotion. Because what we're doing when we go to the secondary emotion is we are protecting ourselves. We are coping. You've heard phrases like coping mechanisms or coping strategies. Because what we do when we get to the secondary emotion, think about anger. Anger is an outward emotion, but sadness is an inward. Uh, being hostile and being disagreeable with somebody is outward, but when you feel helpless, that's an inward thing. And so what's going to help us in the long run is connection and learning how to discuss how you feel without necessarily getting angry. Uh, the ability to connect with a person who maybe has said or done something that hurt your feelings. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of research out there that say men uh, desire respect, women desire love. If you've ever read Love and Respect by Emerson Egerich. He talks about that. We need both. Uh, but when a man feels respected, it's easier for him to love. And when a woman is loved, it's easier for her to be uh, respectful. And so what we don't want to be angry. I've never met anyone that says, oh, yeah. Now, there's a small percentage of people who are like, I get a lot of creative energy out of being angry. But for the most part, most people don't want to be angry, okay, because it pushes other people away and it makes it harder to solve the problem because let's say you have a conversation with your spouse about taking out the garbage and you get angry because you feel like they were 
uh, making fun of you or being disrespectful to you or not being appreciative. And then you get angry and you start yelling and you start slamming things. Now, in order to get reconnected, right, get back to intimacy, get back to a closeness, now you have to deal with the anger first. And then you have to deal with how this feeling of being disrespected or feeling like you weren't appreciated, which you can do that before you get angry. But if you get angry, now you have two things you have to deal with. So a lot of times when I'm dealing with with couples, I will say the anger itself is not as much an issue as what you did with it, okay? Because if I get angry and I punch a hole through a wall and I break my hand and I put a hole in the wall and I do that in front of my children and in front of my spouse, now I've gotten a litany of problems. And what happens a lot is a lot of self-shame starts to happen, uh, a lot of rationalization starts to happen. And I, I hear this a lot. Well, if they hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have, you know, punched the wall or, or whatever the issue is. And so learning how to regulate, learning how to be aware of what is happening on the inside of you before the secondary emotion takes over. And so if you look at slide five, uh, start talking about these stages of anger. And again, it's the buildup. And what I tell people is if you become more aware of the buildup, you can avoid getting into a situation where the anger manifests itself and it, and it comes out in an unhealthy way. So the buildup. After an incident, you can kind of, if you go back and reflect, you can kind of find the place of no return. And it's usually happening um, at the pinnacle of the buildup. So let's say, again, let's talk about the garbage and just use a like a conversation. Wife says to the husband uh, after dinner, they've put all the garbage in. The garbage is in the kitchen. It's overflowing. And the wife says, can you take out the garbage? And the husband says... Yeah, I'll do it in a minute. And then he is on his phone. Okay, the buildup has started because the, the, the wife is trying to clean up after dinner. The garbage is already over the top. And then the dog starts sniffing at the trash. So she has to shoo Rover away. And now her tone is a little different. Are you going to take out the trash and then his tone changes because he says, I told you I would. Then her response becomes, well, Rover almost got into the garbage and it was almost on the floor and I was going to have to pick it up. And then his response is, would you just give me a second? I was going to do it. And you can sense that it's starting to build. The tone is different. And you can feel that on the inside. If you've had similar conversations, you can tell. This is where we want to learn how to redirect ourselves. And, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about breathing exercises and counting to 10 and different things. And, and I'm in, in agreement with those things, but I also want to talk about why sometimes we're unable to do that. But let's just say for the sake of argument that that doesn't happen. If you go to slide six, you get to the spark. And usually the spark uh, is some statement, some action 
that causes one or both parties to break. And what I mean by that is we've gone from being somewhat civil, and in this case, maybe we go to an anger thing. So I'll give you two examples. The spark could come from the wife where she says, forget it, I'll do it myself. And she starts to pull the garbage out and she's slamming it around. And now the fight has begun. The husband could also be the spark. The husband could say something like, you're just like your mother. Or you never appreciate me for anything. And all I wanted to do was relax. And he goes and pulls the garbage out and starts to slam everything around. Now the spark has hit. And ultimately, if you go to slide seven, it ends up with the explosion. And what happens in the explosion is, is that everything that's ever happened gets brought up. And so a lot of times people become historical. Uh, they remember everything that's ever happened. And what happens is you stay away from the actual topic, which was the garbage. We just need the garbage out. Now it's become, you don't appreciate me. Uh, you're just like your mother. You're just like your dad. I can see why you don't have any friends. Um, you don't love me. All of these things start to come out because these are all the things that are already kind of there. And what I mean by that is if you go back to um, the slide where we looked at uh, slide four, when we looked at primary and secondary emotions, all those primary emotions are coming out, uh, feeling vulnerable, feeling inadequate, feeling hopeless. And so those things are coming out during the explosion, like what we really are feeling are coming out. But here's the issue is the anger is keeping either party from hearing what's really going on. We're, we hear the words, but we're missing the meaning. And the meaning is I don't feel safe, I don't feel appreciated, I don't feel respected, I don't feel loved, all those kinds of things. And then you have what we call the aftermath, which is slide eight. The aftermath, and this depends on you know each situation, uh, it could be not talking to each other for a couple of days, uh, it could be going to separate rooms. It could be sleeping in separate rooms for the night. It could be slamming the door and getting in the car and leaving. Uh, it, more severe cases, it could be um, drinking. It could be doing drugs. Uh, it could be um, physical altercation. Uh, but what happens in the aftermath is it's the, the damage that has occurred. And so we have to be careful that when we have a situation like I'm describing. We have to learn how to have resolution. And what I have found is a lot of times people don't have resolution. What they have is, let me just sweep it under the rug and we'll act like it never happened and we'll just chalk it up to a one-time event. This kind of discussion, this kind of argument generally doesn't just happen once because if you're in a good place and you're listening to this, you're thinking taking out the garbage is not a big deal. That shouldn't cause an argument to the point of an explosion. So we know that there's something else going on. And here's something, uh, a, what I call a point to ponder. If you go to slide nine, thoughts and beliefs come before the emotions. A lot of times people say, well, I'm emotional and I just couldn't help how I felt. 
couldn't help how I feel. And what I would counter with you is if you slow it down, and you may not be able to slow it down in the moment, but you talk to a pastor, a counselor, a friend, what were you thinking and what were you believing before it, before this came up, before the emotion came up? Uh, and again, some of those thoughts and those beliefs are very damaging. Like if you don't really feel like your spouse or significant other loves you, if you really believe that, then emotions are going to come to the surface quickly. You know, perfect example. If, if you thought that your spouse was having an affair and you asked them to take the garbage out and they're on their phone, what could be going through you? You know, are they texting somebody who is, you know, not supposed, they're not supposed to be texting, right? Um, if simply, if you, another example is, is if you have uh, had a discussion with your teenager about cleaning up their room and you feel like they're goofing off or they're sleeping upstairs and you believe that and they haven't cleaned up their room and you go into their room, guess what? Your emotions are, are leading the way because the thoughts and the beliefs have been ruminated on. And we want to understand this connection between our thought life and our emotional life. They are not separate. They are connected. And one thing we want to look at, and this we will get into some scriptures with this as well, is uh, this idea of strongholds and footholds. And if you go to slide 10, you'll see where um, I put that in there. And this is really past experiences in our lives that are still impacting us today. Now, what it doesn't mean is that we just say, well, that's just how I am or how I was raised, so you have to deal with the fact that I'm angry. Like, I remember working with someone who said, well, you know, anger is a trait of all the men in the Smith family. Eh, it's kind of, it could be. That could be very true. There could be a lot of anger, but that doesn't mean that you have to be angry. And that doesn't mean that it's okay just because it's a trait. Uh, but a lot of times what people do is they reflect more on the past and think, well, you know, that's just how I am. Look at slide 11. 2 Samuel 22, 2 and 3, it says this. It says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I will take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, okay? My refuge and my savior from violent people, you save me. And then if you look at slide 12, Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, In your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so this is important. Those two words sound very similar, stronghold, foothold, but they have very different meanings. Okay, so when something is a stronghold, as you saw in 2 Samuel 22 and 23, it protects you, okay? So God is our stronghold. So if I'm going through hard times, I need to go to God. It says that God cares for me. It says God listens to me. I'm welcome into the throne room of grace. Mercy is new. Grace and mercy is new every day. So he's my stronghold. You know, it's, a, it's like a castle. It's a, it's a great thing for me to imagine, okay, and also tangibly experience with God is he's there for me. And I want to take advantage of that. And I want to learn how to go to God. 
A foothold is very different. A foothold, if you go to slide 13, the word in Greek is tapas. And these are some of the words that can translate into English. Everywhere, a room, an area, a spot, a temple, there, where, opportunity, place, and occasion. And if you go back to slide 12 and look at Ephesians 4.26, it says, in your anger, don't sin. It doesn't say don't get angry, but it says don't sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and don't give the devil a spot. Don't give the devil an area. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil an occasion. Here's why we shouldn't go to bed angry. I mean, you've heard that as like, you know, marriage advice, but this is for anybody really. Is because when we go to bed angry, when we don't resolve something, if we don't go to God and find him to be our stronghold, then what begins to happen is we begin to give up space to the enemy. And so then we rationalize being angry. We Maybe we ruminate on it. We have a physical response. Our blood pressure goes up. Uh, our body may release chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline, and that's not good for us long term. And we begin to come to conclusions. I have a disagreement with my spouse. We go to bed angry. I wake up the next morning. It's cold. We're not talking to each other. And then I begin to have a thought process. Well, she doesn't care. She doesn't love me. This isn't going to work. I need to look for another place to live. You know, And it could go on and on and on. And guess what? And then my emotions get impacted by that as well. I become angry. I become distant. I become uh, not open to resolving it. Like the longer it goes on, the harder it is because that tapas, that foothold begins to grow because the occasion or the opportunity opens up a spot and that spot just continues to grow because guess what's going to happen? Something else is going to happen that's going to hurt my feelings. Something else is going to happen that's going to make me angry. And and because this spot, this area is still there, it's going to be a whole lot easier for the enemy to dig more into that spot. And that spot, that area gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, on the flip side, the stronghold is there to protect us from the enemy taking tapas, from the enemy taking space, from taking uh, the occasion. Because when these things happen to us, right, we get disrespected, we feel unloved, we have an unfruitful discussion with somebody, and we go to the Lord, and forgiveness occurs, and we're able to process it, then the tapas, the foothold, is a lot less and a lot smaller, So here's something for you to do. This is um, slide 14. And this is a question for you to ask yourself. Who or what are you angry with? Right? Is someone coming to mind? Is a situation coming to mind? You know, it could be a memory. Uh, It could be a specific person. Okay? And if you have that person in mind or that situation, uh, if you go to slide 15... 
And you can be writing this down. Specifically, what are you feeling as best you can? You know, and if you want to write it out as a, um, a narrative and talk about what happened, but get as specific as you can about what it is that you're feeling. You know, do you feel disrespected? Do you feel unloved? Do you feel unheard, right? Do you feel invisible, uh, do you feel, and you can put it in any language you want. Don't be like going, well, is that a feeling or an emotion? Whatever's coming to mind, just get it out there, right? Because again, even if you put this down on paper and you share that with someone, it, it, the emotion of what you're feeling is going to come out when you're talking to somebody and you may get more of the feelings and the emotions than you are when you first write it down. And then... If you go to slide 16, this is how God becomes a stronghold. You go to God and you say, God, what's your perspective on this? Now, we know things intellectually, okay? We know that God would tell us to forgive. But it's interesting. I've seen people get to this stage on things and God's perspective I don't know how to describe it to you unless you experience it, but they have an experience with God where they are like, okay, I, I understand this a little bit better. You know, my, uh, my father has passed away uh, several years ago, and I often say that the older I get, the smarter he becomes. Uh, because a lot of the lessons that he was trying to teach me, I was resistant to at some some level. And now as I'm older, I, I understand it a lot better. And so my perspective on him is different. And I believe some of that is attributed to being a parent, being a father, being a husband. But a lot of it is because God has given me his perspective. And God has helped me see my father in a different light. And so as you go through that process, it doesn't mean that the pain is necessarily gone, but it will begin to dissipate because what we find is, remember, if you know the truth, the truth does what? It sets you free. And God's perspective is always going to be truth. And that's worth saying again. God's perspective is always truth. So if I get truth... There's a good chance that freedom is coming with it, and it could be freedom from having to be right. It could be freedom from the anger. It could be freedom from a belief that I'm no good or that the other person doesn't love me or that I have no value. I mean, it could be lots of things that happen. And hopefully, as we get God's perspective, if you go to slide 17, we're looking for possible solutions to the problem. Now... We've done a podcast on forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation can only occur if both people are participating. But God may give you some, some solutions. Ask God, what is my next step? What should happen here? It doesn't always mean that it's a face-to-face -face conversation with the person. It could just be within you. And the anger that's in you may change, right? Because the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece, and it also says that he's faithful to finish what he started. Well, what did he start? Transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. And so part of the solution could be us submitting to God the whole situation and letting him do some work on the inside of us. It could be 
you talking to that person and being able to express how you feel. Now, here's what I say to people a lot if that happens. You just have to be careful that you you don't put your expectations on the result. Because you could be in a good, a better place and you go, oh, man, I'm going to go to this person and I'm going to confess these things and how I feel. And, you know, and inside you're thinking and they're going to respond and this is going to be better. And sometimes it doesn't get better with the other person. The, the relationship doesn't change, but you have changed. So just keep that in mind and realize that the results are not up to you. The work is up to you. Obedience to God is up to you. But the relationship being restored, it can't be all on you. The other person has to participate in that. Now, here's some more God's guidance. This is slide 18. This is in Leviticus. A lot of times people are like, is there anything good in Leviticus? This is really good. Uh, In chapter 19, uh, verses 17 18, it says, Don't bear grudge against others, but settle your differences with them so that, and I highlighted, you will not commit a sin because of them. Do not take revenge on others or continue to hate them. That's worth meditating on because that's difficult, right? Because you could be very upset with your parents or... Um, someone you used to be in relationship with, ex-spouse, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-friend. And God's saying, hey, look, don't bear grudge against them. Now, what you notice in that scripture, it doesn't say anything about who's right or who's wrong. He says, don't you bear grudge. He says, now settle your differences with them. You got to at least try so that you don't commit a sin because of them. Isn't that interesting? Somebody could mistreat you and you could be angry and you try to settle your differences and it doesn't work and you're bearing a grudge and it's you're sinning. And you go, but that's not fair, Gene. The other person did it. I feel you, but I'm also looking at what God's word says because the next thing he says is don't take revenge on others or continue to hate them. You know, with anger, a lot of times comes comes that hate. But God makes it clear that revenge will be his. He will hold people accountable. The hard part is you may not see that God is holding them accountable. But the you, ne- you never know what's going on inside someone. But also, that's the wrong focus. The focus needs to be on me. So if I'm bearing a grudge against someone, then I need to try to settle it. And if the settling doesn't occur, I shouldn't take revenge on them and I shouldn't continue to hate them. And that may be a work with God that you have to get more of God's perspective on. Because this can be very hard. This, this is something to meditate on. And I think it's a very forthright, honest prayer to say, God, I just read Leviticus 19, 17 and 18, and I'm not there. Help me get there. Help me to heal. Because really that's what's going to happen is is you're going to heal. And then guess what? This is very similar to forgiveness. When you forgive, it's for you. If you quit being angry and quit hating someone, it's really not for them. It's for you. Um, Here's another thing to look at. Uh, This is, um, again, what I call God's guidance in slide 19. Uh, both of them are in Proverbs. It says, do not say I'll pay you back for this wrong 
Wait for the Lord. He will avenge you. That's Proverbs 20. Proverbs 24 says, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. He says, don't say that. And and what I like about both of those Proverbs is even if we haven't said those exact words, that feeling has most likely been on the inside of us at some level. And let's be honest, you know, God knows our heart. He knows our thought life. Even if no one else has heard you say those things, if those things are in your heart, it's worth going to God and say, I need your perspective on this. If you go to slide 20, Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now keep in mind, if I overlook an offense, if I forgive an offense, if I stop being angry and stop hating someone, stop bearing a grudge, just like we talked about with forgiveness, that doesn't mean that what they did was okay, and it doesn't mean that they necessarily have access to me. But this is getting some wisdom and understanding that this is going to be for me. And if anyone lacks wisdom, go on to slide 21. It says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and will be given to him. If you're unsure about a situation, but you know that, you know what, this isn't working for me. I need some help. Then maybe you just need to say, God, give me wisdom. Give me some understanding, right? Give me your perspective on this. Um, Slide 22, here's another one, James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, some people will say, well, what about, you know, God got angry. Jesus got angry. He flipped, you know, flipped the tables over in the temple, you know, righteous indignation. It's rare. And just be honest with yourself. Are you angry on God's behalf? Or are you angry because it impacts you at some level? Either way, again, if you're asking God for his perspective, you're asking God for wisdom, that's that's fine. But it says, be quick to hear, right? Slow to speak. And usually those two things are the are the reverse. When we're angry, we are slow to hear and we are quick to speak. And he's saying, reverse it. And when we are doing that, we will be slow to to anger. And what's really interesting about this, and and we're kind of wrapping up here, is this is impossible without God. We need God's perspective. We need his spirit to lead us. You can stay... An, an unangry person for a season. But wouldn't you rather be a non-angry person because your nature is that way? Not because you are willpowering your way to it, but because that's who you are. That's who God is making you out to be, right? That's where we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And so if you have, that doesn't mean that you're letting people walk all over you and that you're not speaking your mind. You can be a very direct person and you can be very forthright with people and not be angry. And 
you can be an assertive person and that's okay. Jesus was very assertive. Jesus was very clear when he spoke. He didn't say, hey, you know, here's this thing I was thinking about. No, he was very clear, but he wasn't angry. And so that is something that we want to emulate. And so, you know, as we come to the end here, just keep in mind, if you go, hey, you're, you're speaking to me, but I'm not sure that I can do this by myself. Get in touch with us. Let us walk with you. Let us, let us spend some time with you. Let's journey together and let's practice it. Let's, let's get some tangible experiences under our belt so that we can um, be less angry. You may have moments of breakthrough, but there's going to be a lot of process. You didn't get, if you're angry, you didn't get to being an angry person overnight. Now, God can do a, a work in a moment. What I find is the process is generally where most of us end up. And so I want to encourage you that even if you're at the beginning of something or you're in the middle of it, um, it's always better to have others around you that can help you with that. And so we'd love to do that. So thanks for uh, joining me for a few minutes today. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you and uh, we'll end our time today. Father, we do thank you that you love us so much that you give us instruction about everything. And you certainly talk about anger. So God, give us, again, your perspective. Give us wisdom about how to best handle those situations in our life that are maybe causing us to be angry. Lord, we may feel like we're just an angry person and that that's who we are, and we maybe we feel a little bit hopeless. But God, show us that we're not hopeless. Show us that with you all things are possible and that you desire for us to be healthy. You desire for our emotions to be in a healthy way. And God, what's that step for us today? Uh, and I pray that you'll make that clear to us. And as we do that, that we find you. And um, we just thank you that you give us an opportunity to come together. And uh, we pray that you give us more opportunities in the future. And Jesus, we offer up all of these prayers in your precious name. Amen. So God bless you guys. And uh, I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to Care Ministries podcast from Brooklyn Church. If you would like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355 or email us at careministries at brookwoodchurch.org. To find out more about what Care Ministries offers, please visit www.brookwoodchurch.org care. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.